The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to the creek. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, I, th- I know they said it earlier, but there's a guest card somewhere around you. If you just fill that out, we don't do anything weird. We're not going to show up at your house. That would freak me out, creep me out. But uh, we just want to get some information to you and start a dialogue and uh, begin some conversations about the creek. I know there's a lot of great churches around, and so I'm proud of you for taking the time to search, pray, and be where God's calling you to be. Uh, creek, this is our time. I mean, we've journeyed for six weeks through foundations, and today we, is a time for us to make commitments. And here's what I want you to do. you got a commitment card on the way in. I want you to take that, and I want you to put that under your chair. I want to put it out of sight, out of mind for just a little bit. Okay, I want to... We're going to spend some time uh, in God's Word and, and talking about what's really important, and then we'll get to that commitment card. Foundations launched six weeks ago, and those of you who've done the fast, the fast has ended. Praise God. Thank you. <laughs> I know y'all are, some of y'all have already been like handling up on some chocolate this morning. Um, so you're wired, and Facebook, yeah, Facebook is back abuzz, but... Uh, what I love about the last six weeks is uh, the spiritual process and the spiritual journey we've been on. Uh, we launched this series and got to baptize 13 people. And uh, through this, we fasted, we've prayed together. Um, many of us have cried together. We have asked for God's creativity, and uh, God has just opened so many opportunities. I think personally I've grown so incredibly throughout this process. Um, and when we launched this, it's all a spiritual journey, and And I think one of the most important things that we need to focus in on and understand as a church that we launched into a process that some call fundraising. And uh, you know I have a very cynical and and, uh, I can be very cynical towards those things. Sarcastic was the other word I was looking for. Um, So uh, uh, I told our team, if we're not more in love with Jesus by the end of this process, it's a failure. I don't care how many dollars uh, are raised. If we're not more in love with Jesus, we failed. And through this process, we've gotten to see 10 people make a decision for Christ over the last six weeks. That's because as a church, when we draw into God, he's going to take care of all the stuff. So we had a leadership team meeting uh, last Saturday night. And I'll just tell you, God just gave me a word and said, hey, it's enough. So whatever God does in our church, in our life, is enough, okay? So as long as we can be content with that and understand that, we get to go along for an amazing ride. And so today's our time. I want to talk about leaving a legacy because we don't work just for ourselves. Everything we do is pouring in to, to those that, that come behind us. Um, and it's our responsibility to leave something for them uh, to carry on, to leave a legacy for them to pick up and keep rolling with that. Through this series, we launched with God, uh, this idea of vision. And what's been amazing, we launched with this idea of vision. And I know people, you work in corporate environments or you work for companies that create their company vision, their mission statements, their values, what they stand for, what they're all about. I grew up in the corporate world. And so I kind of, I kind of, I kind of jive with, with that lingo. And so when we launched the church, we said, okay, what is our church about? I mean, the DNA of every church better be the same thing. It better be Jesus. I mean, the DNA of a foot and a head are going to have the same, same thing. So the church's DNA better be the same. It better be the gospel of Jesus and the good news because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that he loved us. We didn't have to clean ourselves up to come to Jesus. He came to where we were. 
It comes to where we are. And so that was, that's our DNA. But we're like, what's our identity? I don't know. When you're growing up, you go through these things. I call them identity crisis. Uh, the older I get, the more I find they're actually more fun than I remember. Um, <laughs> Uh, especially organizationally. I love to launch the church into organizational identity crisis so we can not decide whose we are, but get back to the core and the root of who we are. There's many churches in our area. There's great churches, and, and they're all, they all better have the same DNA. But they all have an identity. And the one thing that God gave us as the creek is, man, your, your responsibility, your mission is to glorify God through lives changed by the message of Jesus, Period. And we're like, okay, God, how do we do that? Give us, give us the ideas on how to do that. It was simple. Love people and make Jesus clear. And I think when we stick to those things, we stay out of all the junk. And we've never put buildings first. We've never put facilities first. And, and it's been kind of something. It's not something for us to get prideful about. Like, oh, well, we never did this. And then we get prideful and we end up in another mess. But uh, my pride tends to get me in most of my messes. But uh, because of that focus, the creek has grown. And we find ourselves at a point where last week we launched a third service. So um, we're going to do this two more times after, after this one. And uh, it's exciting. And so we find ourselves where people, uh, in a situation where people's lives are being touched with the message of Jesus. And I, I think back at all the things that we've gotten to be involved with and see as a church. I mean, people who are hungry. Uh, creek, your fingerprints are on getting them food. Um, people who are broken and lost, your fingerprints. God has used you and your hands and your heart and your desire to love people and to make Jesus clear. You've helped people come out of some of the darkest situations that they could imagine. I got a call this morning at 3.30 and one of our Creek families lost her husband in a car accident last night. And I was sitting in their living room and I was just thinking about the Creek. And I was like, God, this is terrible timing, man. I got to give this commitment message. And God just, he really just softened my heart. And I thought, man, without the creek, there wouldn't be two other people sitting in that room with me, with that family, crying, praying, being quiet, being comfort to those who are mourning. That's what the creek has been about. It's always been about people. It's always been about the gospel of Jesus touching people, whether that's bringing them from death to life because we're born dead into a system, or whether that's say, the gospel bringing life to marriages or bring, bringing life to relationships between kids and parents that have been severed. Just name it. Things that we've seen at the creek has just been miracles. And I think the creek has been one miracle after another. I mean, we may not have seen the, the fire on the mountaintop, but you know what? We've gotten to see people who were dead come to life, and we celebrate that in baptism. We've seen marriages that were 911 on life support, where they are, they're, they're working it out. They're loving each other. They've gotten back to the point where I'm in love with my spouse. We've seen, we've seen families whose kids have been healed. I, I can't, I mean, the list goes on. We're all a miracle that God brought us together and formed this body. And I'm so grateful. And when I was sitting in that living room this morning, it was overwhelming. Because I know that when someone in our church goes through a tragedy, not if, but when somebody in our church goes through a tragedy, there's a body, there's a family, there's a support network to come in. Our CPR team, my hat's off to you. Our CPR team at church can get a call at 3.30 in the morning and be there before me. I was not the first pastor on scene. I was not the first creek member on scene. 
I'm grateful to be a part of a church like that. And that's because we're focused on the gospel. When we do that, then we start to leave a legacy, something that outlives us. Because there will be that moment where our family and our friends will gather. And there will be that moment of shock. And it's all about what can I remember. You try to remember every detail. But it comes down to this. And I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, how life boils down from a life to an obituary eulogized in a service to a Facebook post to a tweet, which is 140 characters for those of you who are not on Twitter. To a word or a small phrase. And that word or small phrase is the character that's lived out in our life that the legacy will be built off of. One of our elders, Mike, talked to us one night and said it's the dash. That our lives are two dates and a dash in between. And what makes the impact is the smallest letter on the gravestone. It's that dash. And we're living the dash. And my prayer is that we live it as people and as a church that it makes an amazing impact on the world around us. Um, so today I want to, and, and when we talked about this vision and hearing from God, what I love about our church, some of you guys have heard from God for the first time, maybe in your life. You're like, wait, I just thought God spoke to the pastor and then you tell us what to do on Sunday. No, no, my friend, you don't want me telling you what to do. Remember I said my pride can get in the way and then I end up having people serve me instead of the kingdom being served and then Jesus has to move me out of the way. It just gets real ugly, all right? And we don't need to go there. But, but hearing from God, and, and I just, you've got this in your notes, kind of a recap on how we can know if a vision or a dream is from God or from us. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of sleep in the last couple of days, so I'm thinking some weird things. I, I'm probably see. I mean, this room's probably three times as full. There's a balcony up there right now. I'm just kidding. The caffeine. I was like, hey, Hey, we've got a balcony. Um, I, I, so I'm just jiving on caffeine and, and we're rolling. But, uh, but how do we know if a vision is from God? First thing, God's vision is always bigger than us. Uh, if we can figure out how to accomplish it, then it's not God's vision, honestly. The, God's vision says, I need you to surrender yourself, trust me and follow me in obedience. I mean, when we launched the church, it was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And God said, that's good, because if you can figure it out, you don't need me. I mean, we go through times in, in life. I've been at this place in my marriage. Like, God, I can't figure it up. You know, you just hit the surrender. Like, God, I, I give up. I can't figure it out. And he's like, good. Now we can finally do something. And so God's vision and dream is always bigger than us. Ephesians 3.20 says that, that now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I could not have imagined the story of the creek. I mean, I had my ideas. I mean, I'm a planner. Okay, that's just the way it rolls. All of you are planners. You want to know how you're going to get from point A to point B. You want some little voice telling you along the way. In three quarters of a mile, turn right. Which is funny because we use miles, but she's got an English accent, right? She should, should say, in 0.5 kilometers, turn right, right? Next to the aluminum factory. But anyway, I told you, I haven't gotten a lot of sleep lately, all right? So... But we want that voice guiding us. But sometimes you just get to that point of, of God, I can't imagine how you're going to do this, but it's going to be a great ride. I can't tell you what the next three years are going to look like for us as a church. But here's what I can tell you. If we stay humble, obedient, and surrender to God, it's going to be an amazing ride. We will not be able to write or imagine the story that God's going to unfold for us. As your leader, that frustrates me, but it also just gets me so excited. 
All I can do is say, I don't know, but let's go, right? And that's, that's a little bit frustrating because I'm the planner. And I, li- I like to know when we're going to turn right. I mean, this is going to be one of those things I feel God, this is what foundations is about, being prepared for when God says step, we step. And we're not going to step until God says step because his vision is bigger than us and we can't figure it out. It's impossible to accomplish without his help. And God's vision is compelling. It doesn't let you go. I mean, when, when God puts it on my heart, I have to go through this process of praying for God, is this you or is this me? And then I have to walk away. But the problem is God's vision, I can forget mine because I can daydream something else better. You know what I mean? But God's vision keeps coming back. And boom, boom. Over this last six weeks, the emails I've gotten and the Facebook messages. Hey, just let me tell you something. If you send me a private message in Facebook, I'm not as quick to respond to that because I'm trying to keep up with everything. So send me an email. But the emails and Facebook messages I've got about what ministries God has laid on your heart, man, let me tell you something. There are some lives getting ready to turn, be turned right side up because of what God's put on your heart and will not let go of. I'm excited about it. We're going to help you. It's your ministry. We're going to help you. Don't put it on my desk. I'm going to give it back to you. So God has given us a vision, and, and, and we've seen this played out. And over the last two and a half years, I really get, I really get overwhelmed uh, thinking about this and, and uh, just really just excited about what we're going to do and, and about being prepared for those next steps. So let's look at some. Uh, I want to look at a point in Scripture. It's 1 Chronicles 29. Uh, if you've got your Bible, go with us to 1 Chronicles 29. If you need help, it's right before 2 Chronicles. Um, <laughs> So there's your help. Or you can go to the table of contents, look that up. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own a Bible, happy birthday. We'll t- say today's your birthday. Uh, he say it's your birthday. It's my birthday too. Ooh. First, see, all that is, you guys make fun of me, and I come up with really stupid jokes. And that, Let me help you. Let me step inside the pastoral role for a minute. So when I say, say 1 Chronicles 29, I've got to give you time to get there. I'm not going to give you any earth-shattering information while you're turning the page of your Bible, okay? This is filler, okay? I'm not going to give you an announcement because you won't remember that. But see, if, if, I, if, I say a, if I say a good joke, y'all laugh, and then you move on. If I say a stupid joke... Y'all remember that stupid joke for whatever reason. I don't get it. But that's just filler. See, you should be at 1 Chronicles 29. The quicker you learn how to get to where you, we got to go in your Bible, the less you got to endure my stupid jokes. How's that? I told you, man. I ain't got much sleep in the last couple of days. I, Adam is in Oklahoma. He edits our recordings. Adam, I'll just tell you, he listens to every service. Adam, I can't guarantee what's going to happen other than we will be done in time. First Chronicles 20, and I want to read the whole story. This is King David, one of the greatest kings of Israel, and uh, God gave David this vision. He said, I want you to build me a temple, because in the Old Testament, God inhabited the temple. You have the ark, you have the presence of God leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then the ark of the covenant, and God's presence was in that ark and with the ark, and the temple that was called the Holy of Holies. And God said to David, I want you to build me a house. I want somewhere to reside among my people. And, and you would have the priest that would have to enter into the Holy of Holies and the presence of God. Now, when Jesus gave his life on the cross, as soon as he died, when he says, Father, it is finished, into your hands I commit my spirit. When you read that the veil 
was torn from the top to bottom. That was the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, God's presence from humanity. And so what happens when Jesus gave his life on the cross, the presence of God is poured out on the people. When you see in Acts chapter 2, when it says that tongues of fire came on them, that's God saying, I'm moving from a corporate God to a personal God. Instead of presiding over my people, I'm going to reside in my people. And so when you go from Old Testament to New Testament, we have gone from God living in his space and only qualified people that with, they, they can't have sin in their life. They had a rope tied to their ankle. If they had sin when they entered the presence of God, they died. The bell stopped ringing and the guys pulled him out and drew stuff. Who's going in next? Man, I just had a bad thought. I'm not going in there. But he, he, the, that's the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the beauty is not only does he break the sin in our life and gives us the ability to be reconciled to God, to move from death to life, he gives us the ability to be in his presence. And so uh, God is at this point with David going, God, I want my presence to dwell among my people, build me a house. And David's like, giddy up, I'm all in, God. He says, but you're not gonna get to build it because your hands are too bloody. David was a warrior king. And he says, you're not going to get to build it because there's too much blood on your hands. Your son Solomon is going to build it. You guys know Solomon. We spent about 14 weeks studying that, that boy. So you can go back and listen online if you need to know who he is. So here it is. Then King David said to the whole assembly, this is the people of Israel, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stones and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now... Who is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families of the officers of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of, of bronze and 100,000 100, talents of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gerashonite. Then the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. There's a couple things I want to pull out in this. And before you think, oh, here's a money message, you know, um, let, me, let, me, let me help you with something, you know, this is more a spiritual message. It's about what are we willing to do for God? I'm not going to call you to bring your gold and jewelry and all that stuff up on stage. It would just be crazy. But here's what's happened is, is our core members, and if you're visiting today, you're going to learn a lot about the creek, um, but, but I'm really wanting our core to lock in. Our core, our membership here at the creek that have said we're going to be the center, the epicenter of the ministry that happens here. And so we're really working this together. But there's a couple phrases. David said, the work is great in verse 1. Uh, 
I think anytime God sets us to something, the work has to be great. You know, one of the things that is a pet peeve of mine is mediocrity for Jesus. God did not die for us so that we could live mediocre lives. And when we bring whatever, ourselves, our gifts, our tithes, our offerings, our talents, I don't want to bring mediocrity to God. I want it to be great. You know, one of the things that we talk about as a staff is how do we always do our best? So what we do is excellent, not perfection. We're not going to see perfection on this side of eternity. Sorry. But we can bring excellence. And David says the work is great. Solomon's inexperienced. You see, we can't, we can't make this about finances. We've got to make it about God's vision, about what we can do and be a part of God's vision. I want to be a part of something great honestly. I mean, I, I don't want to be a part of, of anything that, I don't mind failure. I'm, I'm not afraid of failure as long as we fail forward, right? But I want to be a part of something great. And when God's involved, everything he does is great, no matter how big or no matter how small. Great is not size. We've got to get out of that, that mindset of thinking that for it to be great, it's got to be huge. But the work is great. He also said, Set my affection. David said, I've set my affection on the things of God. You see, Jesus said something really challenging. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your heart is devoted to something, everything is devoted. Heather and my girls have my heart. I mean, I I don't understand this process of batting eyelashes and money just leaves my wallet. I mean, it just happens. I don't know. And then uh, it's like... Then, then I realized, they just got me again. And then they come back, I love you, Dad. And I'm, I'm offering it for them. I'm like, here, why don't y'all go get something to eat and just take some money? And, and my heart's there. My treasure's there. It ain't the money that I treasure. It's my girls. You know what I'm saying? David said his affection not on providing, not on the, not on the house of God, but on God. If we start focusing on the the bricks and mortars, we're going to get real disappointed because we can't, I mean, I think of Jerry Jones. I think he had the biggest stadium for a year. He's got the most expensive one for a losing team, but um, (laughs) there's a lot of organizations and places to put our money. There's a lot of organizations and places to volunteer our time, to give our talents to. But let me say, and I saw this this morning played out, there's none more powerful than the local church. The local church is the only organization on the face of the earth that was ordained by God to go into the world and make an impact for the lost, the broken, and the hurting. And there's no organization that's, that's better equipped to do that. Now, I will say this. The church has lost her, her voice at some of the tables because we've let our pride get in the way. But when our affection is set on God, God mobilizes his group, his body, his kids. And he says, I've equipped you to do the great work because your affection's on me. And, and we're not being prideful. We're focused on the work God wants us to do. You see, when we do that, then we go out and we reach the world. We're able to, to go in and find the broken, the hurting, the hungry, and, and help them, get them food, get them clothes, get them what they need. And then here's the beauty of the local church that I've got. This is just a miracle over the last two and a half years that I've gotten to see. Then God sets us in families with each other. 
Our core team, I, I can't say you're church members. You are family. I know I make a joke when I hug a guy. I'm like, brother's got a hug. But, but through the blood of Jesus and the local church DNA, we are family. And that is the beauty of about where our affections are set. And then David says this in verse 3. He says, over and above. This isn't, this isn't to be guilting you or shaming you. I don't believe in those tactics. I believe God is sovereign and he provides. But David said over and above. There's something about those over and above offerings that God somehow supernaturally does something with them. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get crazy up in here. I'm just saying when we put it in God's hands, he can do something bigger than we can with it. Remember I told you the golf club in my hand is broken windows and car alarms going off. You put that golf club in the right hands, Tiger Woods, that meant almost $60 million over 12 months. It all depends on whose hands we put it in. And God calls us to do this over and above. He asks us to be faithful with it. And then he says in verse 5, they consecrated themselves. You see, the context of this passage is a financial challenge. He's challenging the assembly of Israel to give over and above to provide for the house of God. And, and I, I'm going to bust a bubble here. We cannot separate spirituality and our finances. You see, it, it's, just, you, it's just like trying to separate sex and marriage or sex and love. It ain't going to happen. It's all part of it. But the problem is we lean on the finances instead of the spirituality. God's not looking at your checkbook. He's looking at your heart. He doesn't care about how much money is in the bank. And get this, he owns it anyway. If you think of it, we don't own anything. He just trusts us to manage it for a little while. That, that mentality has freed up my thinking on how I deal with my stuff or let my stuff have me. But he says consecrate. It means to set apart. He says, who's willing to set themselves apart for this journey to join God on this? And, and so I think what, what happens is through this, we find that God's saying, okay, ball's in your court. I've trusted you. Do you trust me? What are we going to do with this? And then something interesting happens. He says that the leaders offered willingly. I love this. I love how God kind of works through this authority because he's working through structure. The leaders went first. I mean, God speaks to the leader and then speaks to the people. Does that make sense? And, And the leaders offered willingly. The leaders set the stage, really. Last Saturday night, uh, we had a leader meeting in here, in this room. We had tables set up, had incredible food. We all, it's food, right? It's the creek, right? The creek equals food. Uh, but we sat in here and we had a holy moment together. And I can tell you that, that we're not entering something that Heather and I are not willing to be at the front of. I mean, I'm not going to ask anybody to do something I'm not willing to do. I'm not going to ask our leaders to do anything I'm unwilling to do. I'm not going to ask you to do anything our leaders aren't willing to do. And the leaders have already gone before you. And in a minute, they're going to, they're going to recommit. They turned in their commitments last Saturday. And so leaders, in a minute, we're going to recommit together. If, if you've already filled out a card, do me a favor. Write duplicate at the top. Otherwise, I'm going to be going, what? Yeah. yeah. And, and the way I do that, I, I add them, okay? And if I get... Three of them, we'll go exponential, okay? Now, just write duplicate. Some of you have asked how to change that because through this, God's opened up some other creative things in your life. 
just write change because we're going to enter those in and do that. And the, the leaders are going to, to do this with us. Um, and then in verse 9, it says the people offered willingly. And that's what we're about to do. Um, so, Creek, I guess when it comes to leaving a legacy, it's our time. We're not leaving brick and mortar. We're leaving the footprints of the gospel. We're leaving fingerprints on changed lives. And the DNA in those fingerprints is the gospel. It comes from the cross. And so as we get into this, I, I want to challenge you with what challenged me, kind of give you some insight on how some decisions were made in the Oxley household with this. We, we went through this idea of three levels of giving. The first thing that I said was, what can I afford? What can we afford in our house? Basically, I was just hoping Heather would say, okay, I heard from God, because she's way more spiritual than I am. I'm willing to admit that. Okay, I heard from God. Here's the number, and I'll figure out how to pay for it, right? Because I helped do the budget. And then I realized, well, that's not really given anything of sacrifice. So then I was like, okay, what can I sacrifice? So it means what can, I, what can I give up in order to give to God? And the problem is God challenged me that both of those are really about me. He's like, you're figuring it out. And so here's what I want you to pray for as a family is what can I trust God to do through me? This means what do I give up? But I have to trust God to be my provision. God has really been working with me on his provision. And here's something that is, is, is a key element in his provision. It is the creativity that only comes from God above anything we can ask or imagine. Because God has opened up areas that I couldn't have even figured out. It's only when I step back and say, God, this is yours. And he'll go, okay, well, let me show you. And so this isn't a pressure thing. I don't, I don't. Those of you who know me, if you're visiting, I'm sorry. You're probably like, great, picked a great day to go to the creek. Um, we'll be back talking about something else next week. But, but this is a chance for our core. Um, if you're visiting, this is a good time to fill out that guest card. And uh, you, we do invite you to be a part of this holy moment. Um, and so what I want us to do um, is make sure this is a spiritual process. It's not a pressure deal. I'm not having to go check with my manager. I'm not having to go to try to pressure you and do the, the four square of what you can afford. I'm not into that. Like I said, God is sovereign. And he's taking care of everything. And he's called us to be prepared. I only want you to do that if you can be cheerful about it. Because honestly, I don't want to go on a journey with grumpy people. Okay? Just, I have enough to make fun of. I don't need to make fun of grumpy people. Okay? You don't give a cent. We still want to love each other. And brother's got a hug. Right? This isn't about the money. This is about a spiritual process. So, um, if you will, take out that commitment card. I want to walk through that. If you don't have one, um, I've got Kendall and Usher, he, and he's going to be able to hand you one. As a, you only need one per family. Um, but what I want you to do is, is uh, as you fill out just your name and information on that, let me talk to you about a couple things. Uh, and, and because the leaders not only went first, they were a trial run. So I, found, I figured out some questions based off the card uh, that I can help talk you through. Um, there are several ways to give on this card. We can't obviously go through all the creative ways, but some of, some of the ways are weekly, um, monthly, annually. Some of y'all have a different schedule. You can write in that schedule um, annually. Some, people have already, some of our leaders have already pledged, and they said, I'm going to do a one-time gift. Just check on there. It's a one-time gift. And... Um, 
um, our first fruits offering starts next weekend, and that's when we'll start the giving for the campaign. I've had several people say, so when do we start giving towards the campaign? We start giving next week in our first fruits. So if you, I'm going to give you an example. If you say I'm going to do $5,000 for the campaign, and I'm going to give $1,000 at first fruits, that means 4000 over three years, however you want to do that. Okay, I'm just giving examples. Um, some of y'all will will give a lot more than I can. Some of y'all can give a lot less than I can. It's not about all of us laying the same amount down. It's about all of us being obedient. Does that make sense? It's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice, equal obedience. Um, the other thing, let me say this and, and, and hear this. When you give towards the campaign, please check that is towards building. We have new envelopes. You can check building. You can write building in the memo section of your check. Online giving, we have a, deline- uh, uh, I don't know, whatever, a designation of building. Here's the important thing to understand. If you cannot give towards the building in the future, and I, we say building, we don't know what that looks like. We just, that's, that's a nice IRS way to tag it. If you cannot give to both, let me tell you, give to the general fund. Because I do not, I will not sacrifice ministry for steps. I don't believe that's God's leading. God's not going to say, put the hurting on hold to get what you want. It ain't going to happen. And so when, you, when it's designated building, it has to go there. We can't touch it for ministry purposes. So if you want to be a part of this and you're like, I can't give it to the building, give it to general. Okay, because we, we're a church, we give and we save. We'll move it, trust me. When you say, I want to give where it's needed most, you put it in the general fund. Let me tell you something. We, we've been able to give over $35,000 in the last 12 months to places that need it, all right? And we haven't sacrificed ministry at all. And we're going to keep rolling that way. So hey, we may sit here at six services. Oh, well, all right? I'm good with all that. So um, here's, what, here's what I want us to do. I want us to enter into a holy moment here. Heather, would you come up here with me? Our holy moment is this. Um, and I've got, I know I've got to hurry. And uh, Ryan, if you'll come up and start playing. Um, I want us to pray, and then we're going to make our commitments. Uh, our team's going to put the, uh, the baskets. And uh, I want us to do something we've never done before as a church. I want us to bring it to the altar. But before we do, I want us to center in. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want to spend some time praying for this journey. Father, we come to you this morning to commit ourselves. We ask you to set us apart for your work. We know the work is great, but Father, our affection is set on you. And so as we humble ourselves this morning, we just ask for your grace and your peace, for your creativity, for you to be our source. Father, we pray for this journey. We pray for all the steps that you will reveal in your time. And we pray that you help us to be, as your kids, prepared for those steps. We tell you the same thing Moses said. Unless your presence leads us, we will not step foot from this place. So, Father, we love you and we trust you. We thank you that you've called us out as your church that you've given us an identity and that identity is rooted in the DNA of the gospel. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross to give us a message of hope and reconciliation.
Father, we thank you for this time and this series that we've really refocused and we've grown closer to you. And our ears have been open to you and our hearts have been willing to submit to you. And so, Father, we thank you for that. I pray for everyone in this church that you use us to accomplish your will. Father, we pray for the thousands that you've called us to reach that don't have a church home that right now may be sitting there wondering if there's hope, if there's a reason to go on. Father, I thank you for giving us the task and the calling to to step into the darkness and to be light and to be a hand that pulls somebody out of the darkness that says you can take another step. Father, I thank you for giving us a heart and a desire to help the hurting, to feed the hungry, to be a part of the healing for the broken. And Father, even just sit in silence and cry with the morning. So Father, right now in this holy moment, this isn't about money. This is about you. And we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that you are enough. And we don't have to figure it out. You already do. You have it figured out. You had it figured out from the beginning of the world. So in this holy moment, I pray that you bless our families. You bless our church. You bless every heart of the person in here. And we are careful to give you the glory for it all. And we bow in humility and thank you for this opportunity to leave a legacy that is fueled by the gospel that the gates of hell cannot stop. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.